welcome to Smarten Up, the show where we demystify the complex world of tax and provide practical business insights. I'm your host, Sally Preston. As a business owner, I know how frustrating it can be when it seems hard to access understandable information, particularly when the topic is as complex as the tax law. So in this podcast, we will explore topics to help you make smarter decisions when it comes to your business taxes, which will ultimately benefit your bottom line. Whether you are starting up in business or have been in business for years, this podcast aims to become an essential part of your financial toolkit. Welcome to Smarten Up, the tax and business podcast. My name is Sally Preston and I'll be your host. But today I have Nathan Nash with me. Now, Nathan is an expert in financial planning at Scarlet Financial. And Nathan's going to talk to us today about superannuation. I am. Exciting. <laughs> well, it's so important, right? So what we're going to go through is we're going to give a bit of 101 on super and some of the things you really should be thinking about. Now, as an accountant, I'm actually not qualified to give you any financial advice, but I'm going to look at Nathan right now and assume he's actually qualified to talk about the financial investment called superannuation. I am. I am actually, yeah, the long way. I guess when I started 20 years ago, it wasn't that hard in, in regards to qualification. It was a week in Sydney and a few lunches and dinners, and but things have changed now and there's actually degrees and professional years, so it's... There is a, a bit of a process to get to that stage to give advice now, so it's good for the industry. But um, yeah, it's come a long way. Yeah, great. So I did bring in the expert. I know when I can't talk to things, and I know when I can bring in friends, colleagues to talk about it and show us their expertise. So, so let's get into super. So, I mean, you talk to people a lot about this stuff, but how do you pick a good super fund? Yeah, I guess, and there's a lot of choice out there too. So. Uh, for people that, that don't look at it every day, it, it's probably hard and, and where to start looking. Um, but I guess the, the three main factors you, you want to consider when you're looking at a super fund is the costs and um, and there's a big focus out there these days and it is important. Um, so that's one factor. Um, but also, and it's also important, is you, you need to look at the investment choice. So what are your options within that super fund? Um are they good quality investments that will help you grow your super over the long term? Because um, it really is that return after fees, which is going to be the main impact on your on your super balance and your retirement in the end. Um, and the, probably the third part of it is, is administration. So if you are managing your super and you want to make some choices and maybe there's a time to do a switch um, or starting pensions or any of those type of questions, the administration of that super fund is important too because you don't want to be stuck on the phone for hours at a time or be out of the market for a week at a time because they're just slow in processing your requests. So if, effectively, if you've got a low-cost, good investment choice and a good administration service, you're most of the way there and getting a good super fund. So, I mean, I, I don't reckon there'd be many people that pay enough attention to their super. You'd probably see that all the time. And it's probably as we get closer to the stage, we start thinking that we are going to need to use our super. But so what are the things I need to think about or, or know when I'm looking at super? Um, well, you're right. So <laughs> sort of 95% of the people I speak to won't know, will be lucky to know what super fund it is, what balance it is and what it's invested in. So 
And usually I'll ask people that and they'll like, yeah, I don't know. So, and it is important that you look at because often, um, especially over your working life, you'll accumulate a reasonable amount of money in there. So it could be a couple hundred thousand sitting there that you don't even know where it's invested or where it is or how it's going. So it is important to, to look at that. And the sooner you do, the better because I guess that eighth wonder of the world, the power of compounding, if, if you can get your super fund performing better sooner rather than later, that will make a significant difference over time. And um, it could be as, even if you give a simple 1% or 2% better a year over 30 years, that's 40 or 50% more at retirement. So it is a big difference to your end lifestyle if you can get your superannuation fund performing well and delivering a good return after a low fee, then that's going to be a huge impact on, on where you end up in the mm. end. So I think the sooner you look, the, the better. Um, and uh, I know people sort of put it to the the back of the, the list because it's not something they're going to touch until they're 60 or 65 or whenever they plan to retire. But um, when they go to look at it down, that, down the track, it's going to be a lot more attractive looking if they've put a bit of thought into it earlier rather than later. Mm, definitely. I look, I'm going to go off script now and I'm going to ask you some questions that I think that I've, I've contemplated and done my own little bit of research on super for myself. But if we, if the average employee in Australia just only ever had their normal employer super contributions, would they really have enough to retire on when it's time to retire at, say, 65? Uh, well, not the people I come across, no. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, and for every – and I've done a lot of retirement plans over 20 years. That it, It's always been about contributing extra to super to get them to where they need to be. It's never been uh, – I've been fine with my SG going in every year and at the end I'm, I'm sweet. I haven't seen that yet. So – yeah, I would say confidently that you need to put extra in um, and considering that. And I find if um, even with talking with people, if, if we can come up with a strategy where they know what they need to put into super to, to get them to that point at the end at 60 or 65 or whenever it is they want to retire and be secure, um, that can give them a lot of confidence to do other things along the way. So trying to get that balance right between uh, lifestyle and and making smart decisions for long term. Super is a big part of that long term plan. And if you can have an idea of what you need to put into super each year to get you to that balance at the end, that's going to provide that lifestyle security you're after. Then um, that's a good thing because you know you're ticking that box. You've got uh, your long long term plan sorted. And uh, if you're doing that, and there's extra funds available, then you can do some of those short term plans, whether it's travel or trips, you know, yeah, stuff around the house, car upgrades, whatever it is yeah. as well. So we, we hear about the million dollars mm-hmm. and I think it's a million dollars for a couple to retire on. Yeah. Do, you have, do you ever have people walk in and say, I heard I need a million dollars to retire on? True, false, in between, depends on your lifestyle? Yeah, it does depend on your lifestyle. I've seen numbers like 600000 to quote it and that's sort of relying on, on age pension along right. the way too. So it does depend, and what I found, it does a lot of times where people reside too. Like if I'm looking after someone in Sydney, they generally need a lot more because cost of living and, and lifestyle. Um, 
Brisbane, Canberra, sort of in the middle. And and then if I'm looking after someone in the country, they can be as little as 60,000 a year. Or, yeah. So it just depends on lifestyle. But I would say if I had like a um, an average, I'd say most people sort of want around that 100,000 a year. as yeah. like it's a good retirement lifestyle. And a lot of people want to be able to have an asset base that they can live off and then um, – leave it there for hopefully passing on to the next generation. Yeah. A lot of time, not all the time. Um, so for me, I think you're sort of aiming more close to that $2 million mark if you're looking for wow those type of outcomes. Well, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the financial plan of spend a lot and leave the kids nothing. <laughs> so they can and make that, their own way. <laughs> and that's all good too, yeah. <laughs> I think when we talk super in some of the terms, it's, it's super confusing. It's really confusing for people. <laughs> So we talk about concessional and non-concessional contributions. Do you want to run us through what they are? Uh, yep, yep, yeah. And there is a lot of jargon. And the but the concessional and non-concessional is meant to refer to whether you're claiming a, a tax concession or you're not. Um, but you can swap those in with deductible and non-deductible, which is sort of the old terminology we yep. used to use. So. If you're making a concessional contribution, you're claiming a tax concession on it, um, or the employer is, and it goes into super as, as a taxable component and there's 15% tax on that super contribution or non-concessional where you're not claiming a tax deduction on it and you're just putting money into super to get it into that lower tax environment, it goes in with no tax payable when it goes in um, and it forms part of your tax-free component. So when I retire then, my non-concessional comes out tax free and my concessional comes out having paid 15% tax. Is that – well, do I get that the right, right way around? Pretty, pretty <laughs> much so. It's a, whether it's concessional or non-concessional, when it comes out, when you pull it out of super after age 60, yep. it's tax-free yep. regardless of what component. Yep. But where it becomes important is when we get into estate planning because um, the tax-free component where it's gone in as non-concessional will go to adult beneficiaries tax-free, but the concessional – there can actually be 17% tax payable. Ooh. Yeah, so it's like that hidden, people refer to it as death benefits tax or whatever it is. But, I mean, there's strategies to get around that and recent legislation assists that because you can contribute up to age 75 now. Yeah. So there is things we can do to try and convert that taxable to tax-free efficiently, which we do. Um, but, yeah, so but generally the concessional going in, goes in at 15%, but that's yeah. offsetting your other income at whatever your marginal yeah. rate is. So yeah. So 30s, 40s or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we've got caps and there's a bring forward. So if you've got a low super balance at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, recent changes there as well that allow you to do catch-up contributions to to um, boost that super balance. So the concessional is your cap each year and that's at 27500 now. Yep. So it used to be 25, indexed up to 27 and a half. Um, and they've brought in this thing called catch-up contribution. So if you if your balance is under half a mil and you haven't utilised that cap previously, you can go back and catch them up, up to five years. So you can go back five years. So if you hadn't done anything, you can do almost 125,000 yep. this year as a tax deduction. That's crazy. How good would that be if you had a big lump sum come in or something like that to utilize that? Exactly. So this where this is perfect is like if you're like say if you've got rural or your seasonal income, so some years it's up, some years it's down. Yeah. This is brilliant because like if you didn't need that contribution that year because your income was down, but this year's a bumpy year. Yep. 
you can go back and utilize it. So anything only is the balance has to be under half a mil when you do that. Yeah. But yeah, there's some good opportunities there for people to use it. Yeah. And so you, we've, you know, you've, you look at a lot of retail funds or the funds are managed by other parties. What about self-managed super? Yeah, we look at that too. And a lot of the time people think they're in self-managed super funds when they're in some of the funds we do because there's so much choice and control on what you're doing and they, they're like, aren't I in a self-managed super fund? Like, well, technically not. We're making decisions and you're directing on where to invest. But um, the self-managed super fund is a little bit more onerous in that you, you're doing the financials and you're signing off as a trustee and um, – there's a bit more work involved, but there's still professionals assisting you, so it's not it's not too cumbersome. Um, and we still see it as advantageous in some circumstances, especially if people want to look at commercial property or anything like that in super, then self-managed super funds is your only option. But a lot of retail funds out there these days, we can um, buy up to 800 managed funds, term deposits, um, ASX, international equities, yeah. um, listed income notes so it is really broad these days and what they offer you inside super yeah which is really good um and so you help people go and it's kind of like a check the box isn't it they say what do you want to invest in within this whichever industry fund or retail fund that you're in and they can choose high i know you can choose high risk and medium risk and yeah no risk well no risk super cash right <laughs> well yep. you know <laughs> yeah cash is close as possible yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so that's where you can come in and, and help give advice on what they should be choosing based on their stage of their life, their plans in the future, how risk adverse they are, I yep. guess. <laughs> no, exactly right. And yes, yeah, so there's some funds out there, maybe industry, like you've got like seven choices, like you said, the high growth, growth, balance, all the way down defensive or cautious. Um, and you can make decisions on that. And that's that's good and you just adjust it as where you are in, in life and, and or how comfortable you are with volatility. Um, and then with the funds we use, it's it's those decisions, but we're able to make a lot more decisions. Like um, if we think one sector looks attractive at this point, then we could add a little bit more into that sector or if one looks a bit maybe uh, risky because it's overpriced or there's issues, then we will lower exposure to that sector, even down to currency or um, – stock specific uh investments that we we like we can we can make all those decisions yep and i guess if um with the research we get if we can get those decisions right that's where we're getting that additional return and that's where it compounds over time and makes a big difference in the end in retirement yeah and so it's not just return that people look at. I mean, I, I, I think that returns, it's a retirement. You we want to look at that. But people are now moving a lot more into social responsibility. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing a lot of that where people say, I won't invest in a – I mean, most of us wouldn't know what we're invested in. Yeah. No, but in there's – yeah, there's definitely um, a lot more focus on that and there's a lot of options or it's improving. Um, probably globally in the global funds we use, there's a probably – a broader range of options you can look in in that space so around that esg and um ethical investing and also positive impact investing now where you're actually investing in companies that they can track are actually making a positive impact uh, globally whether it's in education or health or or environment whatever it is and they actually can do quite well because i think there's um some supportive um factors there for, for those whether it's legislative support even the way 
consumers spend now that they're conscious of, of where their money's going and, and the products that they're buying that they're uh, I guess they've, they've got a um, ESG focus on that so we and just liquidity I think there's investments going in there so I think there's a few factors that would mm. support those investments and and the fact that you are doing something positive with with your investments yeah but I, I, yeah I do think that the returns are going to be yeah well, you'd hope you're not trading off too much. I mean, that, and that's the risk, isn't it? You know, so it is about your retirement, but you want to have your moral compass wherever you, that, that sits for you or yep. your ethical compass. So um, I think that people would probably come and ask you and, and say, I'm okay with this, but I'm not okay with that. And you'd be having to figure out what that means in an investment strategy for them. Oh, yeah, it can get complex. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it means different things to everyone. So yeah. it, it can go yeah, it could be a huge range of options, what people are comfortable and what they see is ethically right or, or not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that can go down, a, a, I guess, a bit of a wormhole there to figure that out. But there is a, a huge amount of options for people to consider. Yeah, and I do think that there's some, yeah, that some of those tailwinds for that sector, that, which would mean that the return should be reasonably good too. So I think that there's a lot of business owners and we do talk a lot to business owners and um, there's obviously some, well, not obviously, there's some tax concessions in our small business CGT concessions I've talked about in a prior podcast and about getting money into super, which is a good opportunity, I guess, for a small business owner that may not have actually put the money aside for their super. Do you see a lot of people coming and saying, I'm setting up a super fund for the first time, I've just sold my business? Uh, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty similar to that. I think that a lot of people, the business is their super, but yeah. um, that in the end when they pass that on or succession plan, whatever it is, that will be their, their nest egg. Yeah. And like you touched on with those small business CGT concessions, they they are very attractive. That's um, in your realm. Um, but, yeah, when we come across those for people, it's um, – it's brilliant because people are able to get a lot into super and it all goes in as tax-free component and it does a lot of so good. minimizing tax. Yeah, it's that 15-year rule is like the, the golden egg. It is the holy grail of small <laughs> yeah. business concessions. It makes it easier for us when we can pass the 15 years. That basically, just to remind our listeners, that's where you've been in the same business for basically 15 years. You're eligible for the small business CGT concessions, so you've ticked all the boxes. And what you can do is you can pass that into super in a large number. Yeah. Yeah, so over a million dollars and, yeah, it goes in as tax-free component when these days the normal cap is about 100000 You can bring forward up to three hundred, but under that small business CGT concession, it's mm. over a mil, so. Yeah, it's huge. And that's one way to actually to, I guess, fast-track it. Now, a lot of business owners also, you're right, don't see super as favourable. They see it as their capital tied up mm-hmm. and they could be reinvesting it in their business. And yep. I'm fascinated by that, um, I guess, having a bit more financial background. Do you ever have people come to you for some financial or wealth advice that have that attitude? I do. I do. But I think it's almost the opposite. Like, it depends. Like, if it's a business owner that's got commercial premises, it's like, well, actually, you get to use your super before anyone else because you could potentially have your super fund own the commercial premises and you could rent it off your super fund if that was an appropriate strategy. So... I think it's even more applicable for small business owners if they're running commercial space that they consider super and and part of their structure, structuring of their assets as a, a good option. 
Yeah. Mm. Oh, good. Um, so I guess we're talking about well, we've got business owners, we've got – so I've got um, adult children and I did say to one of them one day, you know, unless you top up your super to the maximum concessional contribution every year from now on, you're unlikely to have enough to retire – um, and that was quite frightening to them. So we've got from that that end, the young people who are probably thinking about homes and not thinking about super. Then we've got the people that are close, hopefully closer to retirement in my case than um, away from it. <laughs> That's my plan. Um, what are the tricks and traps that you would sort of say to people, both business owners and individuals? Uh, yeah, so yeah, I guess when it's starting out, so depending like you said, young kids or whatever that might be going for uni or just starting out of their first jobs. Like if they're earning sort of under around that under that approximately forty thousand, if they put some in some money into super voluntarily, they'll they'll get some support from the government. So there is the co contribution, which is effectively a fifty percent return. <laughs> so you put a thousand dollars in and get five hundred from the government. Wow. So that's a good one just to is that, I don't know about that because I'm too old. Is that the problem? Probably earn too much too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's rude. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's one of them. Um, then, uh, yeah, there's a spouse contribution. So if one person's working, someone might be um, at home for different stages in, in their life. So there's like we can put 3000 into a spouse's super fund and get $540 tax rebate. So there's a few of those options. And then your concessional contributions topping up there. That makes a, a big difference in... I mean, yeah, you can save up to about 32% tax on um, if you're in the sweet spot for those concessional contributions. So there's big advantages in, in, in putting money into super. I mean, it gets weighed up with lack of flexibility. You're not touching it until you're 60 as a minimum. Um, but, yeah, there's there's lots of incentives to, to sort of promote superannuation as a retirement vehicle. Mm. So we're going to... Um you know, we kind of come up to budget, a federal budget very soon. Have you turned your mind to whether super is going to get messed with this year? Are we due or we're not due? Or hopefully some caps go up again with the inflation? Probably some caps up. Uh, we are due. I mean, because it's been a while since they haven't played with it as much as they used to because they used to every year just like throw out the textbook. Mm. There's new rules to learn. Um, so I I tend to think we're, we're due, but... Yeah, probably not too dramatic because it, it can be very political. Mm. So we'll see. I know we've got the the $3 million balance and that's still got to play out yet and how they're going to uh, implement the extra tax on on that balance. Do you want to explain that? Uh, I was just saying, yeah, so each – if an individual member, so it's not for everyone obviously, the $3 million, um, you have a balance over $3 million, the initial thoughts are, well, there's going to be an additional 15% tax payable on so normal you got the normal fifteen, but this will be thirty percent. And then there's even talk that it's going to be on unrealized gains. So it's just if market values go up, but mm. still a long way to go before that's finalised and and how they actually come up with implementing that. Because I mean, a lot of it could do with defined benefit pensions. People in Canberra where they've got defined benefit pensions, and if you do the uh, the formula on how they work out the nominal value on those. Um, they could be over three mil, but how do you work out the gain on a yeah. defined benefit? So still a lot to be worked out, but that's yeah. They are looking at the higher end superannuation balances, and yeah. back in the day, 
I think prior to 2007, there was these things called reasonable benefit limits where they did have taxes or if you had over a certain amount. Um, so it looks like that's back on the radar again, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, where the, where they're probably aiming, I think there's, it's going to be more palatable is if they start taxing sort of the, the higher super balance. Yeah. And there's some really huge super balances out there that I'm sure you see some in, and uh, wonder how it all got in there, but it's there non- nonetheless. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's going back to, I think. For, forever ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there was a million dollars, I think, you could put in before 2007. Yeah. But the timing wasn't good on that because that was like GFC came to 2008. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think that a lot of those balances must go from a long way back. Yeah. I think so too. Hey, any any anything else you want to say before we sign off and say thank you? Uh, no, thank you for your, having us on here to be able to talk about supers. I know not everyone wants to hear about it, but if uh, if they do pay a bit of attention to it and, and start thinking about it sooner rather than later, um, I'm sure they'll be thanking themselves if they fast forward into the future. Future them are thanking them for putting a bit of effort into yeah, their super I know. early. Hindsight, right? Yeah, that's right. You always think, oh, but I really want that car or that holiday. You're not really thinking, I really want that super balance when you're younger. (laughs) (laughs) It's only when you start pushing towards probably 50 for some people or 40 that they go, ooh, that's not very high. How am I going to get there? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, ooh, yeah, we can't get to water into wine. So we need to um, start thinking sooner rather than later. So at what age would you recommend they come and see someone like you? Uh, <laughs> I mean, sort of any pre-30? time. Pre-30? Pre-30 years old, do you think? I think, yeah, you try and get a, a good super fund set up. Yep. You probably don't need ongoing advice at that point in time, but at least you know it's going into the right place. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as you sort of go through life, then you, you'll get the home, pay down the mortgage a bit, and then that's when you start probably thinking, well, maybe I can do something else as well as yep. build a bit of equity in the home. And yes, that's sort of getting to your mid thirties that you really need to start thinking about the plan and Yeah. So hang up your party shoes and start thinking responsible adulting. That's that's what a lot of them say to me. So it's <laughs> time to be an adult. <laughs> I came to see you. How do I be an adult? <laughs> hey Nathan, thanks so much for coming and talking to us about super and investing in super and how it all works. Really appreciate your time. And um, hopefully we'll get you back on to talk about something else in the future. I would love it. Thanks for having us, Sally. Hey, that is your episode of Smarten Up, the Tax and Business Podcast. I will talk to you on the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Smarten Up, Tax and Business. I hope you found the information valuable as you navigate your entrepreneurial journey. If you did, please leave us a review and share the podcast with your fellow business owners. Remember, what we've talked about today is not a substitute for getting formal advice from an accountant or lawyer that is more specific to your circumstances. But knowledge is power when it comes to getting your taxes right, and it can also save you a buttload of money too.